0: For another episode of the DN. The Din.
1: The Din? The Din. I thought you were doing, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the president, uh, Joe Biden? No, not Joe Biden. Uh, uh, who destroyed every, uh, all America? Donald Trump? No, not him. The first one. Ronald Reagan? Ronald Reagan. Well, <laughs> well, well, you're, well, you're listening to another episode of Did- Digital, Digital Noise, Noise with our homeboys, uh, uh, Chris Cox, and of course, the lovable Wright Sulik. Oh, mommy, uh, where's my cum guzzling <laughs> queen of a wife? <laughs> the blowjob
0: queen. The blowjob queen of uh, Hollywood. I saw a meme where it was like <laughs> a picture of a girl tying her hair back from behind. <laughs> And it was like Nancy Reagan preparing for uh, what's his name the 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 the, uh, the guy who, like started Cambodian War during Vietnam uh, 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 Kissinger Kissinger yeah. Yeah, yeah Nancy Reagan preparing for Kissinger to show up in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mrs. Uh,
1: Mrs. <laughs> Reagan
0: Hello, The, th- I how the throat you? goat As she was the actually goat. referred to Yeah, mm.
1: you, that's why you listen to Digital Noise It's for old Hollywood gossip About how Nancy Reagan Ronald Reagan's Uh uh, Come guzzling uh Blowjob queen <laughs> of a wife Christ. The president of the United States And his first lady Sucked a lot of dicks It's startling
0: that Eric isn't on this episode <laughs> Well I'm his conduit Tonight <laughs> Come do it Come do it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so this is Digital Noise. We review home releases. <laughs> sure. I'm Chris. That's right. As eh, he already hello, said. Hello. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about this, uh, week. This is for us recording right before, like a few days before Christmas. This will not be out till after Christmas. I'm sorry. Oh. I still have another episode in the can from John. I haven't even had time to put up. Because, oh my gosh. No, this is so special. It's been December month and for critics, December, November are super, super crunch time.
1: Now, I wouldn't know about that because I'm not a part of the Austin Film Critics Association. No, I
0: personally told them not to let you in,
1: <laughs> so I don't know the urgency. I've seen these movies we're about to talk about at least 15 months ago, and um, <laughs> and so we're gonna I'm gonna try to talk about them. And luckily, the first like I don't know
0: 87 of them I hate. <laughs> it's, uh, not, it's not that many movies. Season. Like it's not. This is we did done plenty of bigger, longer shows than this one. But he's right. We're launching with the stuff we didn't like that much because we thought we'd start with the
1: worst and work our way to the best. Because Chris thought that was a good idea. I mean, why not? We
0: got to cover it at some point. Let's reverse the order. Well, I thought it could be peppered in. Yeah, and like usually I like to start with good stuff, throw in the medium stuff in the middle, or bad stuff, and then and like end with good stuff, or at least well-known stuff. Right. And this week, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just get the bad stuff out of the way. I think, because it's a few days before Christmas,
1: and I guess you just want to just be angry immediately, because this is going to make me angry.
0: So this is Christmas. This is... (laughs) And uh, all through Wright's hello house, White Christmas. There's some bad Blu-rays. Oh man, and some 4Ks too. Well, speaking of the first one, oh uh, yeah. So uh, we previously reviewed Justice League X uh, Ruby. Uh, which this I is th- justice league with ruby R- superheroes uh, and huntsman Part two part two we reviewed part one and uh to put it lightly we hated it now look look yes yes <laughs> there's no dissension look there. i i don't want to i don't want to
1: split hairs or anything but we technically hated it
0: you know, and it was this whole thing where like the, the the Justice League heroes awaken in the Ruby universe, which is a local thing. Rooster Teeth. I've never watched it. Why are we talking about? That? Uh, but it's a very CG smooth like it's
1: shell anim- uh, shaded animation. Yeah. That um. I, so okay, wait. One thing again, we what we should say at least is that Ruby, the anime that Rooster Teeth uh, created, is actually one of the most successful animes that have uh, ever been produced by America. Yeah, now like that's something to say, which is cool. Certainly not as good as Avatar: The Last Airbender. Well, of course, but at the same time, though, if this is indicative of anything they've done, fuck! Uh, I I, (laughs) I
0: don't want to shit all over Rooster Teeth because may I. Sure. Because I'm not a part of the Austin Films yeah. Association because yeah, sure. I don't give a flying fuck. I, I've not seen any of the Ruby before this and this the first one just dives right into the whole mythology and I was just like, wait, what? And there's a lot of like, wait, what moments in it if all you're the, not All the, the girls the, have like tails there?
1: and they're like animals sort of fucking things it's kind of embarrassing it, it's it, yeah. i fucking hated it so
0: goddamn but it. Like, so, I, I
1: felt it was like is this what anime is this the, is driving me crazy and the
0: justice league are like because they're like in this world they're all teenagers, teenagers. instead of their Dude, adult selves and they're like why are we teenagers and they also have new powers for some reason like batman has wings, wings and, and stuff and Superman it's bad still flying, it's bad anyway so they were like oh but there's part two where now the ruby characters will be in the justice league universe where the justice league's all grown up and now the ruby characters have bigger tits and i mean literally literally because they're more grown up so now they have bigger
1: tits (laughs) i I mean you're not wrong Uh,
0: i'm sorry i was like really uh and i was like you know what this one will probably be better because at least the justice league characters are like the justice league characters. and
1: you know what i say about you every single time i see you you're a fucking fool (laughs) Do you say that? Every time. I'm really hurt, actually, by that. I, dude, I'm only saying it out of love and <laughs> hatred for this fucking movie. Because <laughs> this, this is even worse than the first one somehow. It's actually impressive. I'm I'm impressed that they're able to make a worse movie than the first one, because the first one is so unadulteratedly bad. And then this, it's still the same style, shell-shaded and all that crap. But yeah, like as you said, all the Ruby characters, which... Oh, here here's a test. If if there was a gun to your head, could you name any of the characters by memory?
0: No, well, I mean the Justice League, obviously. Well, yeah,
1: but yeah. I mean, any of the Ruby characters. No, well no. we all be dead. They're
0: all kind of the same character. It seems they're like.
1: all the fucking same. Yeah, they, they're all like they have like slightly different. Like I think. Is Ruby a character? I don't know. Yeah, she's know. the one with the, the, sc- scythe. the scythe. Yeah. The scythe. Scythe?
0: scythe? Is a scythe? Jesus, are a fool. Jesus Christ. It scythe, it's man. a scythe. How often in life do you have How to even say How often have word? you said scythe? I don't know. Maybe more than I should have. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, it's a scythe.
1: And oh, okay. uh, <laughs> there's...
0: The sea is silent. It, that's not, it's not phonetically. It doesn't
1: it it yeah. isn't matter because she's the, okay, in this one, she's a little bit more of a blowhard because she's, I guess, the ultimate badass in her world. Yeah. So she's like more or less the she's Superman equivalent. She's a character. Hmm. <laughs> but, like, they're still fighting the, the AI. It's the same thing, thing for
0: some reason. And I'm unclear. It's like the same fucking story. Like, it's the same thing, only now the Justice League is grown up and the Ruby has bigger But, t- but, so that's it. but, uh, there is a
1: bad guy from their world, Ruby's world. Yeah. That, uh, we, if you have not seen any of the, the Ruby show, we, you would be f- completely fucking yeah. lost no, like i thought that was it's bad. like they're lex luthor basically. i thought
0: that was bad in the first one and this one is all these scenes where you're like they're just directly talking about stuff that you yeah. have no idea what's going on if no you clue. haven't watched ruby and you're yeah. just like what the fuck are i mean
1: like we were just talking outside about just you know how easy it is to uh, to do a, a Batman a movie or a show or whatever because just how well known that character is. Like, he's like, I get it. His parents died. He's Batman now, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And like, you understand who all the Justice League's characters are without any kind of backstory whatsoever. But then when you introduce the Ruby characters with the same kind of, uh, like, Uh, 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 like in a way like introduction and knowledge is like oh of course you know all the
0: ruby characters right like who the fuck are those people can i be clear i hate this i hate it so much Uh, (laughs) i don't know how this happened and you know what i always say every single time i see you you're not a fool when you say that (laughs) dude i you know what like Comics are known for doing crossovers with other universes. Like sure. Marvel and DC have crossed over Done any dozens number of times. of times. Yeah. Marvel and Image have crossed over a lot of times. I would watch like a like if they wanted to do this, if uh, Warner Brothers is like, we need to do a crossover, another successful thing. I'm like, Great. You know, Image has this character uh-huh. that has an animated TV show that's very popular right now that I could totally see that being a crossover. What? The uh the, in in Invincible. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. like, I would watch the shit out of an Invincible, right, right, ago, right. like Justice League crossover. But this Ruby, I'm like, these things don't fit together. They don't... They're, the whole background and context of these characters, not to mention the visual look, they just don't merge. Why did this even happen? That's more fascinating than these
1: movies existing in the first... Well, than watching the movies, just like for how dumb they are, is really understanding, like, who who did Nancy Green Reagan wedding. have to blow right. to get this movie made yes. in her fucking rotting corpse? It was like, it doesn't make any <laughs> sense that these two things happened together and that DC, quite frankly, it feels like the DC is just like desperate. Cause so also, also the DCEU is I'm just like the name episode right now. The throat goat made this happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first nine movies she probably did.
0: Uh, but yeah, this is abysmal. Um,
1: and uh, no, no, big
0: no. Uh, no. There, it's a one disc set. It comes with "I've Got Your Back." The bond between Justice League and Ruby. Oh my god, did futuristic. you watch that? No.
1: Oh, you know what? I
0: didn't either. I know. <laughs> you didn't tell me that, but I know. You know me so well. It's like six, uh, about seven minutes. Uh, there's you look different, Ruby on Earth, which is about seven minutes as well. Fuck. Uh, it's just like, these are just little EPKs. There's no real reason to watch this. There's no, they, they clearly like most of the DC animated universe stuff comes with some sort of like, Hey, we brought in all these creators to talk about this in the process. And this is just
1: like dumb. <laughs> yeah. EPKs. Paul Dini's just like, no, thank I you. I don't
0: want to be involved with that. No. All right. So we're going to move on to a film that I've always meant to watch. It's one of those always on my list because a lot of people who are fans of the, 80s action
1: ninja
0: Globus like thing. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like who who were like oh I like that stuff. I mean my brief interactions with it have always been very negative, with the exception of the third movie in this series. Oh, uh, oh the Ninja uh, Three Domination. Yeah, 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 yeah which yeah. is delightfully awful. I okay because they to decide let's cross a ninja film with the Exorcist and it's like this is so fucking crazy bizarre that it's really entertaining. I, uh, I mean, it's not a good movie. No, it's just like this is one of those but, movies. It's w- like the right level of it doesn't know how bad. Right, it is. but when did Glo-
1: uh, Globus those guys ever made a good movie?
0: I mean, I think- oh um oh actually they I um oh god what is it a runaway train with a uh, um. What's his name? Angelina Jolie's dad, uh, John Point, Yeah, uh, great movie, nominated for Oscars. Really good. It was a it was a one off. The only time it ever happened. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so the fluke, the fluke. Anyway, the first movie in the series is Enter the Ninja, which Kino Lorber has put out. And I was always like, I feel like I should have watched this by now. Our, our like our our friend Brian Salisbury. Uh, who does junk food cinema has always been a defender of this film along with other people i know and i'm like i probably should watch this plus it has got franco nero who's one of the greatest actors Django. in the uh, the history of spaghetti westerns yeah. like you're like he is the spaghetti western guy next to clint eastwood like if you clint eastwood then franco nero yeah right that's true yeah he was Django, the original Django. yeah i'm like okay that's interesting also there's something a little weird about it being a ninja film and there's a white guy playing the lead character but look if
1: tom cruise can do it in last samurai he can do it okay he's he's a samurai
0: not a ninja it's different (laughs) it's not fooled me (laughs) but uh i'm just gonna hear to report that this is unwatchable
1: trash look i'm gonna say this I don't remember this movie. So the next movie no, is... No, no, uh, we're doing
0: it in a ninja. Uh, um, which also stars uh, Susan George, who was in The the Wife in Straw Dogs, the amazing film Straw Dogs. Have you ever seen Straw Dogs? Uh, yeah, a long, long time, a great, time ago. I great, deeply disturbing movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and she was in Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, and Mandingo. Like, one of those actresses in her period yeah. was a big deal. Uh, Shokush- Kasugi, uh, who, major martial arts <laughs> actor... And Christopher George, who we actually talked about very recently—I don't remember if you were on it—and something else we saw. Oh no, he was in *A uh, City of the Living Dead*. He was the 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 white like oh
1: that. That it's okay well wait 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 i okay I, now Luchia i'm getting
0: said this, living dead.
1: all of this is now coming back a vietnam flashback i'm equally terrified but also slightly excited so <laughs> i okay this this stack of movies we're about we're, we're going to talk about today besides this uh bullshit first movie um there are there are scenes in some of these movies that i'm like I did the Leonardo DiCaprio and once once upon a time, upon a yeah, time in Hollywood yeah. I was like hey Yeah, pointing like, at the screen yeah I, I like I know those scenes and they're usually because they're bumpers in uh, at the Alamo Draft House and this has the famous scene of where uh the bullshit uh, journalist guy from the yeah. Living Dead uh he gets killed by a ninja star he's like he dies really funnily Wait I thought uh, Christopher George is the bad guy Yeah he's the bad guy Yeah and he gets like killed and he gets like uh, hit oh, with
0: spoiler. a spoiler What
1: <laughs> guys okay look if you're listening to digital noise and not expecting spoilers and also some degree the spoilers. fuck is wrong with not you too many spoilers look okay f- so the bad I've, guy i've said guy this, dies befo- I've said this before, before fuck you fans i hate you guys okay <laughs> just stop that so we do not hate you but <laughs> there is that famous scene where he dies like a
0: really funny way he's like he just kind of like oh right And it's great. uh, So uh, Franco Nero plays a ninja that has just graduated from ninja
1: school in Japan. Now I think it's interesting. I will give this movie some credit that uh, the rest of the ninjas. Well, uh, they're trying to be accepting because he is white uh, and Italian and they, you know, cover that up
0: except he's got the one guy who's like now fuck that shit yeah and yeah. I'm just
1: like okay well that's an interesting take on this and he ultimately becomes one of like the most like badass like uh, enemy guys yeah. Uh and yeah and so he goes back home sort of to his friend and he uh his friend is kind of a lush and just li- I don't know where the fuck they are Uh, uh I
0: don't know Uh it's a guy who's being Wyoming. Har- he's being harassed by a wealthy CEO played by the, the previously mentioned Christopher George uh, because to get them to sell their property because apparently there's a bunch of oil under their land uh, and they're like Oof. please help and he's like okay I'll help because I'm a ninja even though he wears a white ninja outfit which makes no fucking sense look I uh, don't know how to tell you this and but also I, I really don't really think racist. people care yeah.
1: well the, the racist part that's already established I mean <laughs> it's just I, that doesn't really matter it's more of it was like oh the white costumes like oh
0: sure the the friend is a mess and so of course the ninja immediately is like i'm gonna fuck your wife which is not dealt with in any way can in being like oh that was bad you shouldn't have fucked this wife (laughs) well
1: it only happens after something tragic happens yeah so like you know i i give him credit a little bit It's like well at least he waited and uh look because he's he's of honor he's a
0: white ninja the real problem with this film is everything we haven't talked about yet
1: like Those uh, okay. things are
0: minor problems compared to terrible action where people make no contact with each other at all oh, visibly surely. when they're fighting. It's yeah. just awful. It just yeah. looks awful. Uh, and dialogue that is just the worst dog shit. Just like terrible. And a plot that barely makes sense. I, I mean, okay. What are you going to do here? <laughs> there, There are movies like
1: these where... You know, you, when you hear the title, Enter the Ninja. Is that yeah. the name of the title? Yeah. You don't even remember <laughs> I don't the title. <laughs> I don't you know, the movie. title is Enter the Ninja. I don't think you're thinking like, you know what? I think this is going to be the next fucking
0: Oppenheimer. It's not that. Well, I mean, it came and, out in 1981, so it could not be the next well, Oppenheimer.
1: Well, sure. But, uh, it, it's, look. It, I don't know what to say about this. Like, I barely remember this movie, except for like moments of like the bad guy dying, and uh, the acting is horrible as well. Well, it's it's fucking like it's all d- dud shit. Still, this is so bad. It's stupid. Like Brian Salisbury actually defends this. Like, actually, what what, do you, what does he mean by it? Like, I don't it, know. Like this is I mean Keanu Lorber
0: still send us movies please don't. And uh cuz No, no, they send us a lot of good stuff. We've they, gotten they, they do. They do. I've looked at the catalog and We get stuff all the time. There's a lot of your favorite things that we've had and some of our choices of the week e- even this year. Don't attack me. You Kina white Lorber. ninja. Okay? <laughs> don't, don't. Motherfucker, I'll <laughs> fuck you up.
1: Yeah, this I've is got um, some
0: shrunken. <laughs> <laughs> Uh it's no, just, I get
1: to shaking.
0: Uh, um yeah, this Woody is Woody Allen, ninja.
1: Yeah, Woody. Oh man, I would watch that in a heartbeat. Uh yeah, this is dumb. Yeah. Uh but but wait, can I say one thing? I would love to see a biopic about Golan and Globus. There is a biopic about them. What? Yeah. Uh, uh is I think it's a, called, a narrative film? Isn't that Electric Boogaloo? No, 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 oh, not no, a documentary. No, not documentary. no I, I would love to see like a <laughs> blow meets boogie knights, just like picture about them no
0: the like all right, so there's obviously plenty of stuff about Corman, who is a schlock master, yeah. but who genuinely wanted to create good movies out of the lowest possible budget yeah, ever. Yeah, but these dudes... But these guys had, like, were, like, they actually had the money to make movies and yeah. they chose not to use it. Yes. And they just created Schlock on purpose. Right. I find these they two people... They ruined Superman.
1: They they ruined Superman. They ruined Master of the Universe, which, yeah. whatever. Uh, But, like there's so many like there's a lot of things they did that you probably know as a fan and definitely if you're listening this then yeah of course you know uh because you're fucking nerds um stop insulting the audience (laughs) right (laughs) but but these two people these are the last like it's like um oh uh robert evans like the these two guys are ripe for a narrative biopic uh about them just like just money hungry, just like wanting to make this like schlockiest shit. And I think it would be hysterical. Like it'd just be really fun, crazy, coked out fueled, like four hour epic. No,
0: I could see that. And apparently there was a lot of that going on because it was, the oh, 80s. of course yeah. it probably was. Like, I think they're both Israeli. And no, I think they're Greek. Oh the Greek you're right. Yeah, they're Greek. And they come in with like, "Hey, we just want to get part of this industry." And they had yeah. a bunch of money and they were just like, "We're just going to buy our way in and like and literally like like assault all the loopholes to getting IPs yeah. and creating they, stuff. They are, I, like, if I was a
1: really bad person, they would be my heroes. Uh, like, if, like, if I really wanted to get in the film industry is like, I want to do it just like them. Uh, <laughs> like, if only I was them back in the 80s. Right. Cause they, they are like, just like, they saw the opportunity to buy up as much IP or just like make crap.
0: Yeah, not even like the bulk of the thing isn't even buying IP. I think mainly a Superman, the fact that Superman one and two is so great. Yeah. Superman three and four. Holy shit, what went so terribly wrong? Right. Well, the answer is going Gal Globes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, this new Kino comes with a new audio commentary recorded by two critics, Mike Leader and Arn Venema, who are known for doing cult and action film commentaries. And there's a trailer, and that's about it. By the way, so there's a comment on our last Digital Noise that we did together uh, oh. that where somebody said, uh, Dennis... Oh, yeah. Yeah, said, uh, I agree with Wright about the dog, and I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, he said... Yeah, I remember he said that. I was yeah. like, I... Oh, it was something
1: about strays. It was like, I, I'm not really down with dogs with like their slobber, maybe. <laughs> I was actually trying to remember exactly what he said. But also, Major Kerr said something that was... In the same statement, he's like, "I love it when Chris uh, uh, comments on how wrong right is, yeah, and I like I it a lot. when yeah, <laughs> but also, I like it when right is right, and then he comments on how Chris is wrong as like, "Wait, so you just like our opinions? So I think he just likes it when we disagree.")
0: <laughs> so far, we're not disagreeing. Well, uh, so sorry, uh, yeah, magic. Yeah, magic. Uh, this episode, I think we're going to be pretty much on the same page, more because
1: this is going to be a little bit more grab. Coming so we way.
0: dealing with another Kino Lober re-release here, uh, but directed by John Frankenheimer and has always been considered one of his most lesser films, The Challenge. But I admit, I asked for it because A, Frankenheimer, B, written by the great John Sayles, like one of the legends of film, yeah, and starring Scott Glenn and Toshiro Mifune. Like both two legends themselves, right. there was
1: a lot of me on my phone Wikipediaing uh during this movie, so I think I watched about five minutes of the movie, but I got the gist
0: there is the thing about this movie that you figure. Scott Glenn, white guy, who's like this boxer, who's a real, like, a sort of a waste, but he is when he pulls like himself shit up. Like a heel boxer. He's like Rocky. He's like, he's not great, but when he gets his fucking ire up, he's pretty actually, he's pretty good. Yeah. And he gets a, approached by a, a Japanese family who go, look, there's this stolen sword that we're trying to recover and we'll pay you a ridiculous amount of money and he needs the money really bad.
1: We're going to pay you $1,500.
0: Oh, my gosh. Uh, So, like, but the sword is this missing sword that we want to shown up in America. So we'll pay you to smuggle the sword back to Japan. Uh, He gets there. He immediately gets captured by bad guys. Uh, There's a lot of him being captured by bad guys in this movie. Uh, He, despite the like Rocky, he's kind of dumb, despite the initial thing of like, oh, wow, he actually can fight. He really is terrible at fighting for the whole first two acts of this film. Like you're like he can't oh, wow. fight in their style. He yeah. just doesn't know. I mean,
1: he can box, but like right. they're all fucking like you know doing kung fu and shit and karate. Yeah. Like they, he doesn't it's, know what the kung fuck. Kung fu is
0: do. Chinese. Karate uh, is Japanese. Hold on, I'm done. <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, racist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, he he. Ends up getting integrated into the sort of like group of people. He also has the hots for Tashira Mafuni's daughter. Who who can blame him? Even though there's no uh, real chemistry no, there, no, not really. But there's a super long sex scene between the two of them. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a really long extended sex scene. That's where you're right. like, even I was like, this is making me feel well, uncomfortable. Because so, I also
1: read that um, this was Scott Glenn's first leading role and um he didn't know if he really wanted to do it cuz he was like i don't know if i'm like right for this and uh which in hindsight No, no. Uh, No. But at the same time, I love Scott Glenn. I I love Scott Glenn, but it it basically this movie kind of uh, took him on this. um, Which again, I read a lot about Scott Glenn. Like he's actually into martial arts. Like, and he's a he's an actual fighter. (laughs) I read about Denzel Washington, where he did all his own stunts and all this kind of shit. I was like, what the fuck? So like it it made sense technically to put him in it, but he just wasn't like I guess right for the role. No, he wasn't. He's he's oddly. Scott Glenn is a very he's, interesting actor. But
0: here he's kind of flat. Very. Yeah. But then it was like his third, fourth yeah, movie. No, I mean, fair. Yeah. Uh, um I did like Tashiro Mafuni, who's basically playing the staid Tashiro Mafuni character, Sam oh, Rybuster. The idea is like sort of like this guy we Scott fight Glenn, by swords, that's Scott it. Glenn plays who's just like kind of a drunk and he's like whatever, nothing matters, and him encountering a culture that is you know, I mean, they're show gunning it. It's like oh, yeah. this culture that has this rich history and like understands, you know, honor and things and him learning that stuff. And really, it's about him, the train training to how to be a better person and better fighter. Yeah. And then eventually getting to do the big final fight. But I will say, unlike Enter the Ninja, the fights when they're here are actually well shot and they're, convincing. They're well shot. I, I like the character development. It's a little slow, like John Sales' moves.
1: Uh, but John sales has made a lot of good movies. He, he's made a lot of good movies, but they always earn it like alligator. <laughs> uh, they, they always earn it. Like they're, they're well thought out characters. It's just like, this is not the type of movie that you like you think with, uh, enter the ninja where it's just like bullshit action here and there. This is a little bit more methodical in how it's approaching its, its story. Sure. And, uh, and I appreciate it about it, but, uh, and I will say, uh, the last scene where scott glenn has to kind of like step up and f- fight the big bad yeah uh what i do appreciate is that scott glenn is not
0: necessarily a hundred percent prepared for it no and um and what well, has like it's first to share versus the big bad who isn't able to handle it yeah which is his own brother and then scott glenn who sort of realizes through it, like I got to do a combination of like what I've learned and what I already knew, right? <laughs> and the way
1: that he like, there's a uh, a death scene. I don't care to spoil. spoils it No, cares. please don't spoil. it. Okay, well, like there's a there's a scene, where, like something that happens uh, that I was like, whoa, I have never seen that before. Yeah, uh, it was it was very violent and intense. Uh, like some of the violence in the movie was like. Out
0: of left field, and I was like, "Oh, this is John Frankenheimer!" Like well, it- that's the thing is, like, it's a well-made lesser Frankenheimer film, right? Yeah, you know, you're like, nothing about this feels incompetent or anything. Huh. Like, really, the worst feature is Scott Glenn himself, who doesn't seem to know how to approach this material. Not a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, uh, he gets but- it like seventy-two percent. I don't even know how to go that much. Sixty. 63- 3.8%. <laughs>
0: oh, that's exactly what I was thinking. I, I thought so too, yeah. Uh, there's a new audio commentary recorded by critics Steve Mitchell and Nathaniel Thompson, who have done lots of you Kino Loeber commentaries, uh, the trailer TV spots, and a reversible cover, and that's about it for this mm. one. So, yeah. I mean, it's one of those, like, I'm glad I saw it, but I'm never going to watch it again. Good for you. <laughs> you. You're not glad you saw it? <laughs> I mean, I uh, no. All right. I mean, mean. I'm, I'm
1: fine. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, remember it fair.
0: (laughs) you don't remember it now so I barely do uh so we're gonna move on to a 1996 film that came out in the wake of Pulp Fiction along with many other films oh yeah that were like we're gonna kind of do this Pulp Fiction thing like we looked at how good that was and we're gonna do these all these stories with all these characters in a crime film thing where everybody's some like is super smart a lot
1: of different stories happening at the same time and they
0: all kind of come together like two days in the valley uh this is directed by John Hertzfeld, who has not had a huge amount of hits in his career.
1: Now, wh- I will say a, a few things about this right off the bat. John Hertzfeld has directed one of the greatest films of all time called Two of a Kind, which we did recently on Trash in the Can, so, only on One of
0: oneofus.net with Franco Vio. So uh, here's a clue. If it's on Trash in the Can, he does not mean it's one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> by definition, it's not and literally john travolta and olivia newton john john travolta the bank robber olivia newton john a bank teller and uh they have to learn to fall in love and respect each other because otherwise the world is going to end because god has decreed it so yes and uh, that that's is literally the plot of that
1: film. it's crazy <laughs> it is fucking crazy uh now i've seen this movie hundreds of times now when i say that Technically, I mean mean one specific scene I've seen hundreds of times, and this is literally the first time I've ever seen the movie all the way through, because this is also the introduction to the world, Charlize Theron,
0: which is weird because he had the director to fight the studio and even some of the other actors who were like, she is not the right person in this role. She's terrible. And he was like, no, you're wrong. She's got something. And he knows
1: talent, just like in the movie, Two of a Kind. Only on Trash in the Can on One of Us.net. No, but
0: it's funny considering now what a huge star she became. Not that more than anyone in this movie. Oscar winner. Oscar Winner. Yeah. Out of everyone on this fucking uh, (laughs) this cover. This got Danny Aiello, Jeff Daniels. Terry Hatcher, sixth build, uh, uh, James Spader, Eric Stoltz, Keith Carradine. I mean, it's just like Michael Jai White. It's got a huge career, uh, like uh, amount of people and everybody else in it you've seen in other stuff as well as character actors. And look, I don't think this is a terrible film at all. I think it's one of those suffers by the fact that it was like just trying to be another Pulp Fiction and it doesn't get much right with the exception of. The Danny Aiello story. I agree. Danny Aiello, super charming and fun. He has this thing where he's a meat cute with with somebody that oh, works so name? well.
1: Oh fuck! Uh, uh
0: Glenn Head- Headley. Yes. Yeah. Who has been in a lot of movies like Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Dick Tracy, Mister Holland's Opus. Yeah. And she's terrific as well. But the idea is these two hitmen, James Spader uh, playing one of them, Danny Aiello playing the other. Uh, show up with a sleeping couple. Uh, one of them, uh, Terry Hatcher, Hatcher immediately injects Terry Hatcher with a sleeping uh, like injection, like knock her out. And her, she's there sleeping with her ex husband. Uh, and they are like, Oh, okay, well, you need to tell us this information. Danielle is kind of shocked that suddenly this thing he thought this case, this situation was, was something else because something about Chinese people or something. Yeah. And then You're like okay, but like he's like, what's going on? And then there's a situation where basically James Spader, who's this cold as ice like guy, (coughs) shoots Danny Aiello and like shoves his car off, leaves him for dead. Like it leaves him for dead. He's not dead. Spoiler. Um, But then it switches to an entirely different story where he like Uh, he fumbles his way
1: into a. An executive of you know ABC company. Well,
0: he's he's an art a wealthy art dealer. Uh, Yeah, sure. He's who's this total snob asshole. Yeah, like who's got the assistant the previously Uh, mentioned Glenn Headley, who's like this total nebbish nebbishy woman. Yeah, uh, who's puts up with all his bullshit, and he's like but she's italian daniel's italian and it's like so he's holding them a hostage just because he's like i need a place to hold up and heal and i don't like the way you treat this woman who's beautiful and so it's like this weirdly growing romantic comedy thing going out of this right it's it's the reason it's good is because you've never seen anything like it that like that whole sequence like i've never seen any story that resembles that yeah and it works it's it it's funny because then as soon as uh, the the credits
1: roll up at the very end of the movie when it's John Hertzfeld, I was like,
0: oh, But there's a weird thing with like Eric Stoltz and Jeff Daniels are two cops. Eric Stoltz is the newer cop. Jeff Daniels, is the older one where like they're trying to bust like their they're, they're vice. Yeah, their vice. They're trying to bust uh, massage parlors for, you know, giving handies. And fucking Jeff Daniels is weirdly and inexplicably really fucking violently upset that this exists in his world. Because well, he's mm-hmm.
1: getting fired from the force <clears throat> it's, because of his behavior. Because he's an yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: uh, <clears throat> it's not why he's... Upset about it. Well, we never yeah. really know why he's that upset about it. I think it's because his it. wife left him or something like yeah, that. I don't know. But anyway, he's really it's upset. still to set up as like a sympathetic character. Like, this is bullshit. This poor woman, she's in a situation she doesn't even want to be in. And like, she's desperate and all yada these, yada. All these uh, fucking and, threads. And, and, and like, uh, there's a lot of stuff like uh, tied all back together to an ending where all the threads are tied. There's like a Paul Mazursky playing like a washed up film director who wants to commit suicide, but then he connects with someone and oh, like, I don't know. Man. It doesn't matter. Ultimately what, you watch what this. It, what, it, what really matters is that Charlize Theron's
1: first time, she gets nude. And uh, man <laughs> I mean, like and because here's the thing. I'm not trying to be crass or anything like that at all. Is that th- this, uh, <clears throat> this is actually kind of an important film for her career. Cause it did launch it. And everyone saw that she is very charismatic and a great actress, while at the same time being a gorgeous. And yeah. she, they, James Bader and Charlize Theron have this, like, famous love scene in it, where, or, you know, weird yeah. sub-dom kind of a, yeah. a scene. And uh, and she gets new for the first time, so you're just kind of like... Not the last time. Not the last time. And you're just like, holy shit! And, uh, and everyone, you know, as I was a child when I saw this, when I was like, sure. you know, 12, 13, I was like... Oh, who's that? And this got her on the map. Yeah. So, like, the movie is not great. It's a very, like, C-minus, like, Pulp Fiction movie. Yeah, I would give it a
0: C. I would give it a strong C. It's a C-minus. <laughs>
1: um, but it really launched Charlie Theron's career.
0: Yeah. Which, that's the most important thing that came out of this movie. yeah all together full credit for the fact that we have charlie's there on now who's an amazing amazing actress and and even human being right you know you're like yes thank you for having her be part of our world like uh (laughs) to this film there are a few bonus features here that are interesting one of which is that apparently sylvester stallone is very close friends with this director has been for a long time and so there's a brand new program here where the two of them have a conversation about the movie hmm which is really interesting. And a couple critics have called it the best bonus feature of the year. Like that it's such a fun conversation. Uh, spoiler, I did not watch it. But, you know who was a production designer? Catherine Hardwick. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, pedigree to behind this movie. It's really weird. Uh, there's a new commentary here as well by the director. Uh, there's a Q&A at CineFamily, which is a reunion between a lot of the people here. Charlie Theron, Glenn Headley, and John Hurstfield with Danny Aiello versus uh, on the phone. Um, making a featurette, which is archival. There's a bunch of eight minutes of B-rolls, casting crew soundites. It's not a bad package for a film that... Has never been considered by anybody to be, like, one of the all-timers, but a lot of people remember it fondly because it was one of the not-as-bad Pulp Fiction knockoffs. For the record, the best Pulp Fiction knockoff is Go. Uh, Uh, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you've never seen Go. Go is genuinely a great movie. Tremendously entertaining film. Like, highly recommended. Also, the soundtrack is terrific to it. It's great. Well. I mean, it, that's what... Uh, who directed that? It was a uh, fucking... Uh, what's his name?
1: He did Gattaca. Uh,
0: uh, uh, fuck. What the fuck is his name? Uh, um, no, it not the dude did Gattaca. He no. did Gattaca. No, no, no. no yes, no, no, he no. did Gattaca. No, it's not that guy. i uh, We're, we're oh, sorry. This slightly. is the period of the show where we're looking Hold on. Up. Hold on. One second. Uh, Doug, Doug Lyman. Yeah, he did... He didn't do Gattaca. He did not do Gattaca. But he, did, his, his, uh, he did Swingers and The Born Identity and Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Jumper and Edge of Tomorrow. In Gattaca. Not Gattaca. I don't know. That was a it. different director entirely. Who did Gattaca? Not Doug Lyman. I'm pretty sure. We're... Anyway, we're not reviewing Go. Although, hey guys, somebody put out a new release of Go because I only have it on DVD. <laughs> and I would like a good 4K release of it because it's such a great movie that introduced the world to... Sarah Pauly and, mm-hmm. uh, oh my God, what's his name? Justified, uh, Timothy Olyphant Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like all the, Mike Epps, I think is in it. And like a bunch of great people are like, it's, a, it's um, a mur- murderous
1: so. row of just like great it's actors in that movie. Still
0: a movie I return to like every two years or so, just going, god this movie is great
1: yeah andrew <laughs> nickel did a Kataka.
0: yeah not the same guy what did i tell you i'm pretty sure they're the same person it's not the same person no all right well our next film we're going uh. back to italy for a bullet versus sandoval uh which is the 1969 spaghetti western film uh, uh honestly i had never fucking heard of this film Never, well, I lo- and I like-, like spaghetti westerns a lot. You do, I'm you do. Never heard of this. It's funny when you're like, uh w- there are
1: movies that are coming up on this list every now and then. And you're like, oh, I've always wanted to watch this. And it's like you've
0: heard of this, and you're yeah. you're, well, you're not I'm a film f- critic. So. <laughs> <laughs> I read books about film. <laughs> I watch documentaries about film.
1: Look, I've I'm kind seen, of invested in film. I've seen that scene in Two Days in the Valley numerous times. Okay, yeah. so I know movies. I know film. Okay, <laughs> God damn it. Bullet uh, of sand for anyway, It's funny that
0: it's funny about this film that for years it was credited to Lucio Fulci, who obviously did city of the living dead, as we talked about earlier yeah. and a lot of other horror stuff, but he also did just as many spaghetti Westerns, some of which are quite good, but he had he nothing. Into, he had, yeah, he was well known for his uh, spaghetti Westerns, oh, which weird. were also really brutal and violent, huh. but he had nothing to do with this. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Uh, and this is uh, probably the biggest star here is Ernest Bordenine who's playing the bad guy the bullet Sandoval guy. Uh, But the story here is that uh, follows John Warner played by George Hilton who's known for mainly his spaghetti Westerns and he's a a soldier for the Confederates. And he gets a message that his lover is about to deliver his child. And he's like, fuck this. I'm going to desert the army, which means that everybody's going to be searching for him from there. So he gets there Um, He meets two old friends uh, after he gets captured for just that and escapes. And he basically makes a team at a certain point of bad guys together to get revenge on the dad of his lover. Because when he gets to the house, his dad is like who's Mexican, who's being just racist against white people is like, no, you're that er- Ernest, Ernest Borgnine is like yeah right I know uh,
1: <laughs> who, I don't know if you know from his name and also it's Ernest Borgnine
0: he's not Mexican I don't think he's Mexican no. I don't think he is but uh they're like no she died in childbirth and fuck you and take the baby And yeah, he's got the baby and that no one will let him, no one will let them into the town anywhere because the baby, there's a uh, fucking uh, plague going on and everyone's like, no, get away from us. You can't bring that baby here. And he gets more and more pissed off and then he gets a team together. Uh, because like, well, this dude's rich, so we'll take his money as well to go and get revenge against him. Let me be honest. Uh, I kind of like this actually. It's a little, it's a little more brutal than your average spaghetti it western. Is. I-,
1: I liked it a little bit more than I thought I would because I don't really go in for uh spaghetti westerns too much. Um, you know my stance on the Italian cinema—it's all dog shit. And uh, yeah,
0: you're wrong on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, My stance is also, I'm a huge <laughs> apologist for Italian cinema. No, no. So. I, <laughs> when, <laughs> I,
1: I, I just, it's. It, it can sometimes be difficult for me, and um i, I just i don 't again i 'm not like n- wanting to go into it just like you know oh i I, I, I want to have a good time uh, but with this, it is very different it feel it felt a lot darker like i I can understand why people thought that it was like Lucio Fulci doing this because like yeah. uh, one it 's a little bit more brutal than other uh uh spaghetti westerns that I've seen in the past, and also just like how John blah blah blah. Warner how his character like devolves more into like being sinister
0: yeah no he like like ultimately Ernest Borden is a villain because he's racist right but the hero so to speak really just gets to that point where he's like I don't care about anything anymore except for brutally murdering this guy and anyone attached to him where he's willing to be attached to like like his gang they're all bad terrible bad people, people. Yeah.
1: and it's it was it was like kind of watching the suicide squad uh-huh. it was just like oh god i don't know i mean they're all kind of kooky but uh they're all bad guys so like i guess it's not a bad idea or bad thing if like if they all ultimately die yeah and um so and it was some
0: some of them do
1: it would. some of them do um and it's so it's just, it's it's interesting yeah. i i mean i, I would say it's, it's like, not like an all-timer no no but i was
0: like this is an interesting little chapter in this field that i was unaware of yeah that i think is well worth watching for people who like spaghetti westerns.
1: i, I would say so yes uh I mean, there were some really, again, brutal, uh, violent stuff. Like, you, you know, you even mentioned to me, like, stay, stay for the end. (laughs) Like, it's, it's pretty crazy. And, uh, there's also a great fight scene between, uh, John Warner's character, that that character and Ernest Borden character, Sandova, uh, and, and then a bull comes into play yeah. and you're like, goo dude. Like I, I do the not. Ending is crazy. The ending <laughs> is crazy. And it was like, I don't know how they did that scene yeah. with a bull. I was wondering the same thing. watching. Like it. Yeah. I, I <laughs> that, the, the stunt actor is like, I hope that guy got paid the entire film's budget. Because Seriously. there's like no other way anyone else would have done it. Cause like some of the stuff they he does, I was like, what the fuck? Uh, I hope he was wearing like three bullet per vest. Basically. Dude, I don't know. Like, it, <laughs> cause knowing Italian horror or, or cinema, they're just kind of like, uh, we'll pay you in spaghetti, and uh, <laughs> your like,
0: family will be well compensated. It's just
1: like, <laughs> it's just like this guy
0: got fucking mauled. Yeah, it's like I, I don't
1: understand how it happened.
0: Well, this does come with an interesting extra, which is a commentary by filmmaker Alex Cox, the guy who did Repo Man and Sid and Nancy. <gasps> you mean Walker and Walker, which is expresses his interest in this type of cinema. He considers himself an expert on spaghetti western, so he comes in to talk about it. Nice. God. i mean he did walker which is like
1: an incredible great uh, spaghetti it's not, west it's terrible what happened what, what? You're,
0: you're, were you on that review with me i assume chris
1: that movie okay i you, you remember you misremember what? every goddamn movie that we watched together on this fucking see, show right and I'm, this
0: drives me crazy because i remember every fucking movie we've seen together see right thinks that he's the only person i review with <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm only a one of two <laughs> and yeah no uh, other than the people for theatrical stuff and all that stuff, as well. <laughs> and the five people who preceded you on the show look i <laughs> don't care about any of them yeah i'm just they're saying. all great people i'm yeah.
1: assuming I but, mean, uh, unless they're Marco or Bo or, uh, who else is Bo? Bo was not on the show. Oh, uh, yeah. Richard Whitaker. Yeah. Uh, Richard Whitaker. Yeah. All these assholes mm-hmm. are in the Brian Austin Salsbury. Film Critics Association. Oh, Luke. fuck all of them. Yeah. Doesn't fucking matter. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's what we watch together. Oh, I and understand. the
0: fact that you don't remember, it's really breaking my heart because Walker was a terrible movie. You made me fucking movie. watch it. I-, I had never seen it. I'm an Alex Cox fan. Of the films that are worth being an Alex Cox fan Of Uh which is certainly not everything He's done and I was like this is the One that I still think there's a strong chance I'm gonna fall in love with it and I was wrong And Usually you are major Kerr. You're welcome Fuck you. Right. All right well next Up we're getting into some horror Wow it took this long in the episode before We got into horror well I think
1: the ruby Versus uh justice league That's horrible
0: that's different that is where you got a pun <laughs> right there. But we're talking about uh, It Lives Inside, which is a little film here directed, written and directed by Bishal Dutta, and uh, it came out at South by Southwest this year. I did not get to see it there, but I had heard some positive things about it. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, let's check this out because it is a Indian-American horror film, right? That, although I would say on many levels feels like, it's it's not reaching far beyond the structure of like teens get involved in horror horror films like supernatural wise right but the aspects of what the horror is is directly related to the culture which makes it much more interesting it does yeah learning new things as it
1: were and it doesn't stretch beyond their um let's say budget as much as uh i think we did the last episode where there were i forget the movies that we saw that um um, the the South Korean films I think we saw that were just like oh you just the, you the centipede far. one you like, too far. Yeah. Yeah, creepy like, crawly yeah Cre- creepy we crawly like, yeah I
0: wanted this to be better than it is but yeah. it was hurt by but its it was lack like, of it was
1: deeply yeah. like you know rooted in its culture and uh, and just like in this one it was like okay you you've kind of got it actually you found the balance
0: you found yeah. the balance yeah uh, so uh, Samida, or just Sam is an American high school student of East Indian origin who is where her family are very like stick to our culture type of thing. Right. Like, uh, and she's not quite as much into that. She's trying to re- basically rejecting her culture, to fit in with her white friends. She has a new romance starting up with a white uh, classmate and she's fallen out with her former best friend, uh, and fellow Indian student Tamira, who's now complete nerd because she's kind of freaked out and turned into a super goth. And she's walking around <laughs> carrying this weird glass jar and acting really strange. Uh, and she's like, "Whatever, I don't care, and it's fine." And we see that Tamira is feeding raw meat into her glass jar at night. <laughs> even Who at doesn't club. do that in their emo stage? Come on, now. Are you carrying around a glass jar and feeding it raw meat every day? Okay, fair enough. I it's called it my something. my
1: sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> your it's, sourdough starter. It's, it's the white version. Of <laughs> That's all cur- culture, because so we're building a culture in a jar of just yeast. <laughs>
0: But, uh, basically Tamira goes like, please, I need your help. And Sam's like, get the fuck away from me. Like she's no, I need help. There's a supernatural creature that the story that we were told as kids that's in the jar and it, I don't know how to stop it. I, it's barely keeping in here. And Sam's like, whatever, you're freaking me out. And she smashes the jar. Not a good and oops, move. In a SpaghettiOs. Movie. Why didn't someone tell her she was in a horror movie? Yeah. You know,
1: I mean, um, I mean, one thing leads to another, of course, as you, expect in in a horror movie for sure that oh it's all realsies and uh she has to deal with that and it's it's boogeyman-esque kind of uh shit in the shadows yeah it's
0: like tamira disappears and she's like that was interesting Uh, i was
1: like okay well this is a
0: little different from the normal just like i'm being haunted by something and i don't know what it is where it's like then the sam starts to realize that um Okay, maybe something is actually going on here, mm-hmm. and it builds, and she starts to realizing shit. I might be responsible for what happened here, and she's got to right. find her friend Tamira. And yes, there is in fact a, a invisible supernatural creature, and the invisible supernatural creature is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, honestly, there's there's. I mean, it obviously appears at points; otherwise, it would be you know. I mean, it follows, but <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yes, <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, it, I I think what is good about this the story more than even just like the um monster per se is the uh the the character development for the main character sam and her trying to uh
0: she wants to distance herself from her culture and well, it's but, her... but
1: her having to also save her friend uh tamira like trying to figure out like what the hell is actually going on here and well,
0: i mean the most interesting parts to me was like that that aspect of her both trying to distance herself from her culture and realizing you can be both. You can also really respect your culture and be part of it and also be part of this other culture at the same time. Right. Right. Um, Like I said, the monster is really cool. It is low budget. It it doesn't strain against that budget, which is one of the strongest things. I think it works pretty well with that. There are some, I mean, it didn't get especially gruesome. There are some moments that are like, "Ooh, that was shocking," um, mm. but it's not terribly gory. Per no, say. not really. I think it, like the the
1: more um, concerning parts or like the stressful parts is when you know you you since T- Tamara is not well, she's being held captive. Let's say, yeah, and um, and that's a little bit more concerning than um, than any of like the gruesome parts if. I mean, they're not really that gruesome, but, uh, like that's a little fucked up. You're like, Oh wow. Like I, I haven't seen a, um, a cultural monster movie, let's say, uh, where, uh, someone's being held captive, uh, mm-hmm. and like not being outright killed Yeah. where normally in it definitely uh, usually an American made movie. Well, I mean, this is American made, but like, it's like, Oh, the, normally they're just like, ah, just it's fucking
0: kill him or made in America, made American in America. In Ameri- yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so there have been a lot of films and horror that have dealt with this sort of thing recently. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I don't think this is one of the stronger ones in it. It's certainly and It's admirable for sure. Yeah. But like, if you want to watch this concept done better, his house, which is on Hulu is just tremendous i've heard of this and
1: i've really wanted to
0: watch that really great and that's probably one of the best examples of like exploring similar territory not Uh in plot but in terms of the cultural simulation simulation type thing Mm um yeah i I don't know I, i i really don't have a lot to say about it other than like it's a Entertaining, but not an all timer of a horror film. But no. it's more interesting than not because of the cultural aspects of it.
1: I, that's what carries it, and I think there's a a lot of um, it 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 adds a gravity to the monster. Where in other films, like we just mentioned a little earlier, where you know it's it's embedded in the culture, where it just it re- it, it just uh, it's trying to reach beyond its budget. And this it knows how to play with it and it does it it executes well, yeah I just don't think it's a hundred percent that interesting and that ultimately good. you you're also still playing with like the whole like you know granted she uh is like a second generation immigrant uh so it's like you're playing with that aspect so but you're still playing like you know like oh well she's still trying to be a teeny bopper and yeah I'm like uh, okay
0: <laughs> I mean I think ultimately this is one of those like for horror fans, you're always looking for the next fix. This is not going to be one of the, like, talk to me or, or no. where evil lurks. But it's an okay fix. It, hey, it has some flashes. Yeah. It, like,
1: it's 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 shot well. Yeah. There's a lot of aspects to it where it's like, okay, I see what you're doing, movie. Yeah. And I appreciate it a lot. It's Honestly, just like, it
0: makes me want to go, I will watch the next film by this director. 100%. Right, yeah. Yeah. And go, like, I feel like this is, like, just getting started like, yeah. Hey, a solid start, but certainly not an all-timer. No. Uh, so we're going to go to another horror film next, a 1974 film called Messiah of Evil, which actually played for this new 4K re-release at Fantastic Fest when we were there. We That's did right. not see it there. But Sorry, we had to see the jar. But this is another <laughs> one. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this is another one that has always been on my I should have seen this by now list because people talk about it. In fact, one of the scenes from this is famously in the alamo draft houses another bumper pre-show bumpers the, the that- lady
1: that is just like is in the theater watching shit she and she tries to leave yeah and then there's like this creepy dude and then uh, all these zombie people eat her in the front yeah. of the screen and then like that's the bumper i've always seen that and gone like i have no idea
0: what movie. no this idea is what from. it is and, <laughs> and then i watch Messiah it of evil. and i'm like oh so okay here's the thing this is i i compared this in my head very strongly to a all-time horror classic uh um uh oh my god what's it called now i'm fucking It's con- such a classic Carnival of Souls. Oh yeah. Uh, a very early black and white horror film that is completely dream logic and surreal. Yeah. And this is completely dream logic and surreal. Uh but here's the really interesting part of this. This was Written by, uh, and directed by, uh, William Hayuk. Hi- Hi- I don't know how you pronounce his name and Gloria Katz. And I know you're like, I don't know who those people are. They were very closely associated with George Lucas, uh, who they met, uh, along with him, Francis Ford Coppola and other people. They wrote the screenplays for American Graffiti, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the, the Radio Land Murders. Uh, they also performed uncredited work on uh on the original star wars and, and you said empire right I'm sorry
1: you, you said like they uh did some script work on empire and or or on temple were, of doom no no star oh, wars. no okay
0: so here's the thing so Lucas has never commented on this, but they have both, cl- where, they have where, where both i they have both claimed that he was tro- having trouble coming up with a dramatic finale for Surprise. empire strikes back and that jokingly hyuk suggested that uh darth vader could be luke's father wait And you you're, he used you're that. saying the the people that made this
1: fucking this movie, mo- movie they suggested are responsible that for the vader fa- might
0: the most famous film twist of all time one
1: i i doubt it and two I don't. <laughs> oh. Like, because like, George Lucas, God love him. I mean, he's not the greatest screenwriter by any stretch of the imagination. And, but at the same time, I've seen this movie, I'm like, well,. They could have been high, and they could have said that, and Yuck, he would. Fioc like also
0: directed Howard the Duck for whatever that's worth. Oh but my god! Yeah. I mean, okay. also produced by George Lucas. So right, um, but I will say uh, a very uh,
1: like a very interesting thing to me because like started watching this movie, and we'll talk about it because you know whatever um because we do that that's do. our whole point of being here <laughs> but the lead actress in the movie it caught she caught my eye for a hot minute because it's like wait a minute Arlete, yeah yeah
0: mariana mariana hill mariana in, hill who was in high plains drifter the classic Clint eastwood film
1: doesn't matter what that was because she starred in the baby oh my god which right. was on episode eight of Trash in the Can, only hey, on oneofus.net. You know how I said earlier,
0: that <laughs> yeah, like if it's yeah. on Trash in the Can, it's bad? Yeah, yeah. Well, the Baby's actually pretty good. Uh, the Baby is yeah. one of the greatest films of all time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he usually says that in a way he doesn't mean it, and he's I, still wrong. I, I, but The Baby is actually really entertaining. It is
1: <laughs> It is genuinely good. If, if Quentin Tarantino remade that movie as his last movie, it would be maybe one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> Uh, One of the best babies ever made. But uh, <laughs> she starred as one of the sisters, and it's a great movie, and this movie is
0: weird. It's really weird. By the way, do you know who the first guy who dies in the, the early part is? The guy who gets stabbed? Uh, it's director Walter Hill. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, weird.
1: Isn't that weird? Yeah. You know, it's, it's weirder. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway. So it's the- been at least... 15 years since I've seen is, this
0: movie. The uh, the lead actress, uh, Arletti, she drives to this beach town, which is, makes it seaside Cthulhu horrors, basically. It's this Dunwich is. crap, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and she's visiting her father, who she's a strange from, who's a famous an artist. A very famous artist who lives in this huge, crazy fucking house, beachfront house, but she gets there, it's abandoned. Uh, she finds his diary (laughs) his his bed is a fuck hammock yeah pretty much uh his diary (laughs) is like addresses are very specifically about stuff about talking about darkness is consuming the town and horrible Uh, nightmares uh, and yada 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 uh Uh, but she goes through a a whole trail thing where she discovers more and more that everyone in this town is like deeply disturbed super fucked up where which evolves into them being flesh craving zombie ish cannibals I don't know. so it gets it it's really hallucinatory and weird like and like i said this is the part and horny that reminds me yeah and a little horny and it reminds me of uh carnival of souls where it's like kind of the same thing she goes to these places and then people are inexplicably chasing her and like like she doesn't know why or what's going on yeah. and it's kind of has that feeling it's very surreal I like a lot of the stuff that has to deal with her, the artistry of it, where it's like, oh, the the, the her father being a painter, and, yeah. and all the crazy surrealness of his house, and
1: well, and she also encounters uh, this uh, trio, yeah, which, like swingers basically, uh, swingers yeah. basically, uh, the, this guy who more or less becomes a a love interest, and uh, which at first he's like painted as someone that you would think is going to be the villain, and then he ends up becoming a good ish character it's very adolescent. left field. it's it's
0: interestingly done um my favorite part though is that when she meets the town hobo played by elisha cook jr who you don't know by name but it's one of the great character actors of like the 40s to the 60s uh-huh. uh who was in the Maltese Maltese falcon the big sleep shane the killing house on haunted hill rosemary's baby he's one of those guys the moment you see him the baby like, uh not the baby, oh. Rosemary's baby. Oh, the and lesser, remember, the lesser baby. The moment okay. you see him, you're like, I've seen him in a hundred things, Yeah, right? Yeah. And, but his role is so crazy. He's like just like rambling about weird shit at first.
1: Oh, the dude comes, uh, out, yeah, comes that's off right. like
0: a David Lynch character. Yeah, but then as the movie goes on, you're like, oh, he was actually right about everything. <laughs> that's
1: right. I remember that
0: character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But like, I, I, I ultimately, I, I,
1: it's kind of an apocalypse film, really. In a way, yeah. yeah. I like, I, I liked it enough. It was like, it was. It, I, I never knew where the hell it was going to go, which was yeah. fun in
0: well, like a way. Said, it's total dream logic. It's yeah. like you have to watch it aesthetically, not like literally to appreciate you, it. You have to watch
1: it with your phone in front of your face. No, I don't mean and that. And just like experience
0: the movie. But there, this movie has giant swaths of fans who are like been defending it for decades about like this is... Are you- great because it's so untraditional in a period before uh-huh. films were really doing this sort of thing are in horror
1: fucking nerds and these guys defending this these, goddamn movie. These
0: guys are like huge art school people who came out, who got this rights to do this thing. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to do it like art school students do a horror film, which there wasn't a lot of that out at that point. So it's kind of like, okay, this is interesting because of that. Now. Yeah. It's cheaply made and it shows those cheaply made like things. It it does. But like, I, I, again, it's not scary. No, no, it's
1: definitely not scary, but like, I appreciate the artistry that went into a lot of it where like, again, the dream logic and, um, and you know, uh, just how like subversive and it was in a lot of ways. It's like, this is again, I thought it was like, it's a lot hornier than I thought it was going to be. And uh, I was like, well, this is like a good old, like, you know, head just like
0: swingers kind of fucking weird horror movie from the seventies. There's, a lot of stuff like that that appeared like even after this. Like I, 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 I thought of this as well. Uh, as the critics have regularly compared it to "Let's Scare Jessica to Death." Oh yeah, which came out in seventy one and "Death Dream" in nineteen seventy two. Like these films that are sort of like slightly abstract, you know, like yeah. hallucinations of of horror films. And I'm like, I respect and appreciate that. And I wish I had actually watched this at Fantastic Fest because it feels like the type of film to watch in a theater. You and know? you know what? I would have loved a good nap. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
1: No, because they were playing it at a fucking midnight probably. No, it's true.
0: Uh, there is an audio commentary by famed film critic Kim Newman and Stephen Thrower. There is an audio interview uh, with William Hyuk, the director, moderated by Mike White. <clears throat> There's What the Blood Moon Brings. Wait, Mike? that Mike White? I don't know. I doubt like from it. White Lotus? I, I
1: doubt it. Okay.
0: Uh, what the Blood Moon Brings, Messiah of Evil in American Nightmare, which is an hour-long documentary about the making of the film. And you know what? I did not watch it. And then another famous <laughs> critic, uh, Kat Ellinger, uh, who talks about uh, the look of the subtext of the film here. Uh, I genuinely did enjoy this, but it was one of those I did not sit on my phone while, while I was watching it. I actually tried to watch it because I was I tried to watch it. I was really looking forward to seeing this film and the 4K, you know, the fact it had been upgraded in 4K. It great. Which previously before this, all you had was really crappy copies of it. So it was like, I admired what they were trying to do, but even the director has gone back and called it like not a proud moment for him. Mm. Um yeah, I get it. I mean, it's just it's it's weird enough. Yeah, it works weird enough. Yeah, it's interesting. And if you tend to like the more surreal aspects of that, that dream logic stuff, you might find a lot in here to watch. Right. But and speaking uh, of bullshit, yeah, we're gonna talk about the nun too. So <sighs> maybe you should take none of this. Um, Look,
1: I did the review for this movie uh, for Screener Squad and uh, or for how you said whatever the fuck.
0: Can I just say... No, no, you cannot just say. No, no, no. Hold on. This is directed by Michael Chavs, who previously (laughs) did The Curse of La Llorona, which is the one of two of the worst films that have ever come out. Of The Conjuring. Of The Conjuring. Yes. And Conjuring Devil Made Me Do It, which is the other one. Like, why is anyone still giving this guy work is beyond me, and... I thought the nun was kind of bullshit. Like I like the nun character first appeared in the conjuring Two, which you were like, what does this have to do with anything? It's just like, hi, I'm the nun too. I might appear later. It was like, that was a weird thing. I, I right? mean,
1: I, I, I thought that the nun in the conjuring Two was like creepy enough. Uh, I didn't think yeah, it was but like, it
0: also was like, why is this here? It has nothing to do with what's happening in this story.
1: I don't know. And yeah. those movies are fine. And, um, but, I didn't see the the first nun, And so people had to explain to me that there are characters from that first movie that are in this movie. I'm like, excuse me. And uh, so I saw the premiere of this and uh, or the, the screening. I, I
0: gave this hopes because it was written by the guy who wrote the autopsy and Jane Doe
1: interesting which is a great movie it's a great movie yeah. and uh you should have seen it at the violet crown yeah well that's uh, over
0: so let's not promote it okay, so well. uh, but, yeah. but
1: see roxy midnight at the violet crown every third sunday of every month if
0: you month. live in austin sure if you live in the- uh austin. so thaisa Farmiga returns as the lead character here which she's like mildly dramatized by her experience in you know the first you know what i was going to say is like shockingly mildly may, may i say
1: this is like who cares
0: right that's <laughs> like
1: who cares? Like this. Okay. You can explain the plot. I'm just going to say this right now. This movie is fucking awful. I, I, I let hated me, let me explain this movie. The plot.
0: I didn't like it either. Okay. So like in the first movie, like all that shit happened. The main priest guy died horribly. Yada, yada. So anyway, um, so she's like now, like I just saying, I'm going to get back to nunning. I nun is <laughs> what I do. And she's none. That's what I do. She's in her boarding school and she becomes friends with one of the most boring characters ever this young irish student named sophie who's just like has no personality of any kind
1: oh it's just it's the uh wait uh wait is it the the girl from last of us the tv series i don't know caitlin rose downey oh dude i i remember that watching this movie i was actually confused all right why because i couldn't tell where people were and when does it matter? Well, I mean, the think the movie would like to think that it mattered, but it the way that it was shot and written, it didn't seem like it did.
0: Uh, well it doesn't it doesn't it's, it's fucking so anyway, awful she's wearing a boarding school she befriends the student uh, sure. she gets visions and stuff and right, then right. she gets asked cause like oh you used to deal you dealt with the shit with this of the, the demon did. from the first film Valak, yeah, Valak uh, yeah. and like hey guess what Valak's showing up at this other place yeah, and we need it, you to come here and said, do it yeah. and for reasons that make no sense <sighs> the girl's Hey, do you want to come with me, this 16-year-old girl or whatever, to help me fight this demon that almost killed me before? No, not really. It makes no, no, no sense. I want to do that. So anyway, so she's in the new school. The rest of the film is just the same bit over and over again. Yes. It's just, here's the thing in the background that's kind of shadowy that looks like Valak, and then either one of two things happen. The lights come on, and it's not Valak. It's just a thing. Yep. Or the lights don't come on, and Valak appears and kills someone. Or, uh, or... Uh, uh, they do a thing where
1: uh yeah, the, the lights come on and uh it's something else. You're like, oh, good. And then the camera pans slightly and then it's fucking valid. Yeah. And I'm like,
0: oh. It's, I- just, it's just so cheaply fucking like, these are... <laughs> It's terrible. The conjuring universe has been capable of some really honestly good stuff, especially the I mean, it's never been better than the first conjuring. The first conjuring is a solid as fuck. Like it's like a nine out of ten. Right. It's 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 super fun. Yeah. But it's never, ever been able to recapture that. And Mm. this is maybe the worst. One yet in that universe. Well, no, no. I'm sorry. The last Conjuring film was the worst one yet. This is not as Uh, bad as that. Sure, I may even watch that. But like, this has the one good sequence that was in the trailer. The trailer was just it with like a magazine stand where all the magazines are flipping, and I'm like, that's that's a really cool fucking visual. It is not.
1: I think it's actually fucking abysmal. Oh, I like I, I love that. Sequence. I I fucking I hated it. One, it was already wasted in the trailer itself, but also two, it didn't earn the sh- the the scare because you just knew what the fuck was going
0: to happen. No, but it was so visually interesting. That
1: was such bullshit. It was, I I, right.
0: I feel like I've seen it in better in other films. Is it weird to consider this the eighth film in the conjuring that is gross in the bizarre and the fact that it's like that's
1: that that's the case is uh, i mean everyone in this film i i've seen them in better films oh yeah and it's so unfortunate where you are like all right i guess you're getting (sighs) work
0: and uh, <laughs> and you're getting paid. Thank God you're getting worse. Well, it's like it's. Just, I mean, I want Thaisa from Fromiga to keep going. Things. Yeah, I, I I do. Also, it, why has have she not been in a movie with her sister together as sisters? Vera Fromiga, uh, who's also in the Conjuring universe, so. right? It, uh, like
1: I I, I I. For the longest time, I thought like when the nun came out and she started the nun, and uh, or one of the nuns, and um. I I thought that uh there's like, a
0: lot of nuns going around. Well yeah,
1: I was like I was like, "Oh, is she like her like grandmother or something <laughs> or her mom?" I was like, "That's a fun thing cuz they look very similar and even though which, they're separated by a huge
0: amount of in age."
1: Yeah, very much yeah. so. Uh so Vera Famiga, there's a little uh interesting tangent cuz this movie uh, sucks dick so I don't care. Um sure. Vera Famiga is, uh, married to, I think, like a really hardcore, uh, like black metal kind of band or, uh, lead singer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she, uh, was, uh, you should look at this, look up this, fans, look up this clip, you fucking assholes. Uh, stop Vera,
0: insulting the fans.
1: Vera Famiga does this thing. She's on stage and she, I think she's doing some kind of like, um, uh, uh, profit like, uh, fundraiser kind of thing. And she sings this, like, like, oh, like she's like doing like death metal like kind of shit it was like really yeah like vera famiga and uh like the De- departed uh it she's <laughs> badass she's so fucking cool and she and eventually she's like a whole like black metal like punk rocker like i had no she idea it's like like i want to get in fucking uh like uh uh what is it called mosh pits and shit i was like wow she just went like she, she was already like just awesome, and now she became like a fucking badass. That's amazing. I yeah. didn't
0: know that. You should look it up. She's cool. Anyway, her sister needs to do better films. I mean, she was actually pretty good with her American Horror Story stuff. I've and liked the next her film uh, anyway, is. Uh, so this movie sucks. Yes, it does. I, I'm not sure if it's worse or better than the first one, but does it matter? They're both bad. Well, this came out in 2023, and it's definitely beyond my worst. uh, it's not good um there is two little epk things here but whatever (laughs) who cares Uh, don't (laughs) like i mean i'm so i had a discussion with somebody last night actually uh at uh the bar that is one of my three jobs that they were like like it they were like is there or do they even make good American horror anymore? And oh, I'm get like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, okay, that's a fair question, though, because they had just, there's somebody who just recently started discovering foreign horror and going, mm. holy shit, there's so many great foreign horror films, even the last couple of years. I'm like, yeah. It's like, but I can think of barely any good American ones. And I'm like, I think the only truly good American horror film that came out this year was Eli Ross Thanksgiving, you know? Like, oh. I mean, there's a few little indies crawling around the the sidelines, you know. Did Smile come out this year or no, last it year? It was last year, and that was also oh, was, good. It was a was good. Terrible. That was, you that was admitting... terrible. you're admitting. No, that was terrible. <laughs> terrible movie. Um, but generally speaking, foreign horror beats a shit out of American horror and has for like over ten years now. I like, mean, even American this horror year, is even this year. What were the two best horror films that came out this year? talk to me and eat one evil lurks, Argentinian and Australian. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> when you know I'm right, I'm right. Well, we're going to talk about one of, I, I suspect one of your favorite films of the year is, w- which is Oppenheimer, which is out on 4k now. It is. Is it? Wh- where do you con- Where's your ranking for Oppenheimer? I know you're a big Christopher Nolan like um, dick sucker. <laughs> um, Nothing wrong with that. But, no, you know.
1: no, I, I, I'm still trying to figure out my list this year because, ironically,
0: just, it makes me gag sometimes. <laughs>
1: um, it's a big bum, uh, <laughs> Duke. Um, you know, uh, th- this year there's a lot of great movies that came out. Yeah, and um, and I've seen a few that just recently came out. Uh, that, you know, Oppenheimer and Barbie came out in the middle of the year, and I was like, holy shit, these are two two highly successful films regardless yeah fine but like they're two incredible
0: movies it couldn't be any more different well yeah. for sure but uh, and the but, whole barbenheimer thing is just, just bizarre but, how that happened but, and beautifully done I, like
1: who whomever like came up with that marketing unless it was just like it was all, the internet guy it just internet people or whatever it was like God God Almighty, like give that man like so much money to just like do marketing I feel in the future
0: i I feel like I remember reading they're still trying to figure out who was the first person to do it It's like.
1: such a great idea, but um I mean it's definitely in my top ten I don't know if I, I don't know what my number one is yet because just saw maestro and it was like goddamn that fucking killed me um how good that was I mean, and
0: clearly the oscars are going to reflect a certain amount of love for oppenheimer no question
1: and no. i hope it does because i i i do love christopher nolan and i love killian murphy a lot i've loved him for years and years and years and it's he's never gotten his Cillian due Murph- murphy it's killian it's spelled killian Oh my God. It's his mother named Cillian. I'm calling him Cillian. But he also in Ireland is Cillian. Killian. Cillian. It's Killian, Cillian. So, Killian Murphy <laughs> stars as Oppenheimer. And J if you don't know Robert, anything about J.
0: Robert Oppenheimer. Jay
1: Robert
0: Oppenheimer.
1: <laughs> uh, and, you know, if you haven't seen this yet, then. I, i don't know how you haven't because it made a billy
0: no people avoid films that are this long it's 181 minutes i know people were like i'm absolutely not are going to you watch a of film this show because
1: long. i swear to god these fucking fans of this Will show you stop you
0: pieces of shit no stop he loves you <sighs> right loves you I not, I not say that he just all. he's a little toxic that's all <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm toxic? No. These I, fucking fans who don't want to see goddamn Oppenheimer.
0: Look, I have a 50-50 with Nolan where I don't hate any of his films by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he even has any badly made films. Ooh. But there are films by him I don't like that much. No. You know? But there are films by him I think are all-timers, absolute masterpieces. Yeah. And I think Oppenheimer is his most mature work. Uh It's a really fascinating film. It's not among my favorites of his. Sure. But it is his most, I don't know, evolved work as a filmmaker in some ways. It in some ways is his most unassailable work. Sure. Uh, I think if it has a weakness I think that it gets a little confused with the aspects of his private life and the primary story where you're like the private life stuff sometimes feels like a little tacked on and I don't really feel like I need this here. I, you know like the stuff with Florence Pugh I'm like this is like going on longer than I feel like it needs to that's relevant to the story you're actually telling
1: I don't know I don't I don't know if this is the the best place to discuss that further because the, the, I think the film is fascinating in a lot of different ways yeah where um, Both like
0: visually and story-wise visually and, and story-wise
1: blah blah, blah, blah. but uh, like the 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 whole uh let's say quote-unquote controversy of uh of Florence Pugh's character where a lot of people have discussed that she's been sidelined and um and also the fact that she got nude for it which spoiler um that people thought that that was like taking advantage of not only just like the character but like of the actress whatever people always
0: try and put the actress make Florence Pugh is powerful enough in her career that by the, this point of being cast in this, she had understood completely what the assignment was and made her own choice here. And also there's nothing inherently wrong with anyone getting naked for a film. Stop being such more. And also Killian
1: Murphy's like their first fucking like big movie did like Dick. That's the first shot you see of him anyway. So, um, I think that, uh, Long story short, I will say that, like, uh, that character and, like, how it adds to Oppenheimer's uh, journey, I think it works because of just how complicated everything was for him. Now, that is putting, like, I'm simplifying Oppenheimer, the person too much
0: who's incredibly complex individual
1: and and i think the movie does and it shows that well there's so many different aspects to him and and also other things that are happening at the same time this movie could have have been an
0: hour longer to discuss even more aspects of his life it's
1: it's one of the few films like the movie is three hours on the dot and uh and it's like man i I know that uh christopher nolan doesn't do uh director's cuts because you know (laughs) He's not, you know, a Ridley Scott, because, you know.
0: <laughs> who has to make up for his bad films who, by doing who, a Who has cut. to make... He's the one I mean, of the few you filmmakers... the Napoleon <laughs> yeah. cut? Because I don't know if I'm going to or not. <laughs> no. The four-hour director's I d- cut. I didn't watch the first one. I didn't
1: watch Napoleon already, and I don't give a flying fuck. Because <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott has made, like, five, six good movies. No, uh, tops. Tops. And he's no. made a lot of movies. And... And practically everything that Christopher Nolan has made is a, a good At least to a good movie. A good movie to great. And and with this this one of the few films I'm like, man, I would love to have seen more, but I know for him he's so fucking meticulous like i i've seen a lot of, i've seen so many interviews about this movie because i just i just love seeing the the artistry and the the craftsmanship that goes into his films because sure. they're oddly the way that he shoots shit is still like over their shoulder like it's not necessarily like tripody kind of crap nobody is like him nobody's like him and like he's no still how much Zack snyder wishes he could oh, yeah, for yeah. how much he wishes he could it's no rebel moon um <laughs> he he still um he he in a way makes films still low budgety-esque yeah it w- what i mean by that is like Technically, but th- how effortlessly he does it, even when he's shooting with a goddamn camera that is bigger than our bodies combined. And uh, and it has like the, the great DP who is like who's ho- having the over the shoulder IMAX camera. But like he's doing a, a, a steady cam or, or over the shoulder, uh, like shaky cam shit with a with a camera that is shooting 70 millimeter and, but it's like the same shit that he would done with the following yeah. or, or memento yeah. and that the same style.
0: And so <clears throat> he, you can I, tell Wright was motivated to talk about this movie. I, I, I,
1: I <laughs> am. And <clears throat> I, I do love the movie. I think it is superb and, and great. And, um, I, I, I've seen it I, obviously a few times now and um i don't think that anything was wasted it's just like i almost wanted more for even how long the movie is because i remember the first time watching it uh i think it was with you and um you know you get you get it an hour and a half in and you're like we're wrapping up right because like it's <laughs> yeah. like the bombs landed and or they tested it like by the way it spoilers Fuck you! Uh, I mean, it's history for God's sakes. But also, like, you see, like, that's not necessarily the point of the film. The rest of the
0: film is like,
1: oh, this is what it is. It's a courtroom drama kind Uh, of thing. uh,
0: Robert Oppenheimer is one of the most fascinating real historical people in the twentieth century. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you imagine being the guy who brought the atomic bomb to fruition? Can you imagine being that as a person and being a moral right. person? Right. And that struggle of him like going through this as someone who clearly is on the autism scale, at least as represented in uh, this film. Sure. Uh and like who is <laughs> like has trouble with social relationships to some extent and is like has trouble like differentiating between like the goal he has set for himself and is maybe the only person on earth capable of achieving under a timeline and being pressured heavily to do as much by Matt Damon, no less. And thinking ahead to going, Oh wait, this might not be great. (laughs) I I think it is truly one of
1: the, the greatest like character studies. Granted, it's a true story. Uh, One of the greatest character studies I've seen where it has a very, Understated uh, acknowledgement of guilt,
0: and uh, silly—I silly it, silly am. Murphy <sighs> um, <laughs> actually kind of looks like Robert Oppenheimer like yeah. a lot. He really looks like him. I'm like, wow, that's shocking! And also, full props—a guy who's been in like most of Nolan's films who finally gets to play the lead character. <laughs>
1: well, and 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 Killian Murphy, Killian, um, has played lead roles. So I <sighs> Uh, left and right, and a lot of great like indie movies that I've seen in the past, and he's always been great, and um, and I I've loved him ever since Twenty Eight Days Later, and uh, and then starting to discover like other shit that he's done, Mm -hmm. and um, Peacock's great, watch that, um, and uh, what was another movie? He 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 he's terrific. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's terrific, and to see him do this, like it feels like, uh, it. it. (laughs) It almost feels like like Christopher Nolan is giving someone a chance that like he knows is incredible as an actor. It feels
0: like I've always known you were great, but I never had the right role for you to be the leading role until now. But the moment I got this, I knew you were the guy, and that is it. It 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 will
1: I will be very happy, even though I know the Oscars and you know the uh, awards mean fucking nothing, but. To recognize... They do, they do to the people who win them. That's well, sure. that's for sure. Uh, but, like, they, uh, uh, for the general audience, it gives a shit. Yeah. But, uh, you fucking nerds. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, but for him specifically, that would make me happy. It's like, it's one of the few times when, like, I would be actually very excited to see him win. Like when Guillermo del Toro won for uh, yeah. shape of water, well, the, It's like, I'm so happy. It's like, he's finally recognized, not necessarily just for this particular role, but for his entire body of work.
0: Well, the race this year is going to be between him and Bradley Cooper. Fuck for me. My and then
1: that, that scares me. Cause Bradley Cooper is so goddamn good as yeah. Linda Bernstein. He, he's
0: so good that I was,
1: dartled watching him it's man and it's yeah it, it's it's <laughs> like
0: like well, I, I looked is, down and I was
1: like god damn it like i i know and like my show know, is I, fucking we're great for i'm rooting
0: for, uh, uh, I'm C-I- rooting for murphy i murphy and cyan murphy cyan murphy <laughs> ccin, C-C-I-N. <laughs> 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 but like uh, i don't know man i think it might be bradley cooper's year because that performance was so Amazing. Now, admittedly, his performance is big. Uh Killian Murphy's performance is not the same type of performance, but it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. You know? that this might be when they give it to him. But look at the rest of the cast. Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, Robert Downey Jr., Florence Pugh, Josh Hartnett, Casey Affleck, Rami Malek, Kenneth Branagh, Benny Safdie, Jason Clark, Dylan Arnold, Tom Conti, James Darcy, David Dustmalshian, Dane DeHaan, Alden Ehrenreich, Tony Goldwyn. I mean, look, it just oh, goes oh, on oh, oh, oh. and on and on. And
1: Macon Blair.
0: And a very brief appearance by our own Macon Blair. And hey, he gets to play Oppenheimer's fucking lawyer. Can I just say... This is a very rare example of a home release by a major studio that actually pulls out the stops and releases a oh, great yeah. collection of extra features. Because mm-hmm. normally, these releases, they're like the bare bones. The 4Ks are just like, hey, it is. They're Fuck bare bones you. EPKs. And this time, man, there's a shit ton of stuff on here. Uh, most notably, 73-minute production documentary that's divided into seven parts. That's really, really good. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, that was right. Not me. Uh, uh, innovations in film, 65 millimeter, millimeter black and white film in Oppenheimer. Eight minutes talking about physical film versus digital. Uh, meet the press Q&A p- a panel for 35 minutes with Nolan with the moderator, and the author, uh, and some other people talking about uh, <laughs> science, the science of the film to end all war Oppenheimer and the uh, atomic bomb. This is what I love when they do this for films based on real life stories Mm -hmm. when they go, here's the actual story of what happened looking into like the history of it. So 87 minute documentary, (laughs) new, new film that deals directly into Oppenheimer and the real story of what happened. I love it when they do that. It's always the thing that I most complain about not being there. I'm like, I want the actual story so I can compare and contrast and then trailers. But yeah, the solid as fuck release of this film that looks man. The 4k release of this is astonishing. It's just beautiful. And by the way, hey. I forgot to bring you your copy of it. They sent me accidentally two copies of this and I was like, Oh, I'm going to give one to write because I know how much he loves this. And I forgot to bring it. Sorry about that. <sighs> yeah. All right. We're going to move on to You're my uh, Valik. Mine re- to my name too. <laughs> we're Talk about a 4K, finally, in 4K re-release of, I think, one of the greatest action films ever made in history. Now, you say action, but thriller? Thriller. Fair enough. Thriller. The Fugitive from 1993. Weirdly, an adaptation of a BBC television show, because you wouldn't normally go an adaptation of a TV show would be this a movie on this level that great. But holy shit, if you have never seen The Fugitive... I mean, not only is it one of the finest adaptations of a TV show ever, Uh, not only is it one of the greatest thrillers of the 90s, but it's ever, but it's among the greatest Harrison Ford roles of all time. Totally. Uh, It's, you know, and uh, uh, co-written by David Twiley.
1: Y- yes. Yeah. yeah. Who, who of course did, did uh what with the, the The Chronicles of riddick series. Well <laughs> that uh, but with the, the other movie that we watched with J- Jeff Daniels, uh on digital Noise, uh that weird like time travel Critters
0: movie. Critters too? He did it. write that. Warlock? No. No, he wrote that too. Oh he did? Timescape? Timescape. Yeah, yeah
1: that's what it was. <laughs> um in
0: Waterworld, <laughs> he did Waterworld. He did. He wrote Waterworld. He wrote the Arrival, GI Jane, Pitch Black, Imposter, Below, which criminally underseen. Below is right good. Now. Yeah,
1: I like that yeah. movie. A
0: Perfect Getaway. Uh okay. he did a lot yeah. of shit. Yeah.
1: Um, and it's pronounced toothy. <laughs> is it? I looked it up because I've always pronounced it twathy I,
0: I said and I it just
1: said twowy. I don't know. Twowy, It's Tooey. Um, yeah, that's weird. You
0: should spell your name phonetically.
1: <laughs> um but andrew on, davies I am, murphy <laughs> but andrew davies uh or davis And davis, davis. davis. that's um, that
0: that is feels like an easy one to yeah, pull that's, up that's a good one to, yeah 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 it, like mainly did like actual action films like above the law and un- under siege with uh, uh seagal
1: seagal yeah
0: and you're like a- and he did,
1: he did a fucking the package with oh. uh, uh, uh gene hackman was that him? Yes, that was him. Oh, wow, that was a great movie. That
0: was a fucking great movie. But like, and so like Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. And you're like, how is this the guy that made... Not, not shitting on those films, but they are nowhere near the quality of The Fugitive.
1: No, no. And it's funny. Uh, so there is... Uh, you, you put on the 4K, and uh, there's two versions you can watch immediately. There's one version just start, starts the movie immediately. There's another version where you're like, do you want to see... Andrew Davis talked to Harrison Ford or John or, or Tommy Lee Jones and like okay so yeah, I watched that I watched it with Eric uh from Trash of the Can, and um and it is the most awkward fucking thing Harrison Ford is terrible in interviews. well no 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 so Harrison Ford he is he is fine he's just I like I, I I liked it he's very laconic in it well yeah he is but he's just like yeah it was it was a great film I, I love doing it and blah 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 but the The awkward thing was Andrew Davis. He's like, "All right, hold on one second. Let me call uh, Tommy Jones." And he calls Tommy Jones, and Tommy Jones, I think, is do, doing comedy. Um, because he's like, "What? What's go- What's going on?" He's like, "Oh, we're doing the um the the DVD uh, commentary for the Fugitive." I was like, "Oh yeah, that movie."
0: He's kind of irascible, to be fair.
1: It's so weird. And, and like, it feels like Andrew Davis is just like, he's like, he's looking at the camera. like, like hey, Oh, hold on guys. Like, this okay. is
0: my moment to get appreciated. Tommy Lee Jones is like <laughs> fucking with me. It's, <sighs> it's so
1: fucking awkward. Anyway,
0: the movie is uh Richard Kimball. Yeah. And, uh, uh who's like a doctor who's very well respected. He's at a thing celebrating him being a doctor. And he, he, he has to, he's driving his wife home, then he gets a call like, Oh, the emergency surgery he leaves with their emergency surgery, he comes back and there's someone in his house who has just fucking killed his wife. The one armed man. Then he fights off the one armed man, but like isn't able to save his wife. Uh, and then it turns out that the, there's evidence to suggest that he killed his own wife and they, prosecute him and he's convicted and he's put in jail but there's a terrible fucking accident with the bus and a train accident that's really spectacular even today. Oh yeah. Like really visually like wow that's amazing. And like, I, uh, so uh, th-
1: this is a movie also. I, I've seen this movie. He gets away is the point. He gets away yeah. and he, he's on the run. He's a fugitive and um, I remember th- this is a movie that I definitely was Wikipediaing and reading a lot during the movie because I've seen this movie I don't know, This is probably
0: God. the ninth or tenth time I've seen it.
1: I, I don't I e- I don't even know how many times I've seen this movie. Um I, I love this movie. It's great. Um and uh seeing it um or reading about like what they did and how they did certain shots, that's the most fascinating thing because The set pieces in the film, especially with the opening or the uh, the big set piece, which is where the bus crash lands um, during an accident with the the inmates, and it crashes on a train track, where the train then uh, hits the the bus and explodes, and uh, uh, Harrison Ford's on the top of the train, he has to like run uh, next to it and like you know uh, dives in a ditch or whatever. Like that was actually done. A lot of it was done on. What's it called? A uh, uh, not green screen, but uh, a rear projection. Mm-hmm. But uh that they did hit a bus, like they did wow. a lot of it, uh, like practically. practically. yeah. And I was like, "This is fucking." Because I thought it was like, "Oh, well, this must have been like miniature." That was the budget, like, right? There. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it, "It's fucking crazy." Yeah. And um, but like you know, there's all, there's so many great set pieces where you you. What what Andrew Davis does so well in any of the action ish uh, uh, set pieces is that he's still building character at the same time. Yeah, where uh, you know the the famous scene at the the dam where uh Harrison one, Ford one of the most famous improv moments of all time in film. It's crazy because Lee Jones is like it's like I or Harrison Ford's like I didn't kill my wife and then he has some, uh, Tom Lee Jones a gunpoint and say.
0: I don't care. Yeah, well, he had a whole speech he
1: was supposed to have there, and he just yeah. improved that line. And it's just like cut. it's
0: brilliant. That's the most iconic moment in the whole film.
1: <laughs> it's great. And uh, and then uh, Harrison Ford jumps off the the dam, and there's like and and you forget like Joe Pantoliano is in this it, with hair and uh,
0: Celia Ward, Andreas Katsulas, who I love because he was in Babylon Five, is one of the main aliens, and he was great. Uh, sadly dead now but
1: terrible. also uh the grandpa munster in the new munsters movie uh which we reviewed on trash the can uh begrudgingly uh on only on one of
0: the upshot is if you've never seen the fugitive this is a film that a hundred percent holds up today it's it brilliant is, we were talking earlier about the new season of reacher on amazon oh uh, yeah and just in general about reacher and how like there's no subtext it's there's nothing complicated going on here it's just an incredibly well-crafted piece of candy that's doing it as as good as you possibly could. Yeah. And that's the fugitive. It's an incredible work of candy. It's just like candy as good as candy gets. Yeah, that's, that's fulfilling and not just going to
1: rot your teeth. Yeah. Exactly. It, it's uh, it's something that you can so go, it's go back dark to. Chocolate. It's dark <laughs> chocolate. Uh, where it might be healthy. Uh, I, I think that this... Probably one of the most well-crafted thrillers of all time. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And it's like it's it's not paint by numbers because there's a lot of twists and turns. And what is great about this film, more than anything else, is that all the characters are fucking fantastic and they're all smart. Yeah. No one is dumb. Yeah, they're all trying to figure. Like they're trying Every, to
0: even minor characters, even minor characters details about who they are as a person and like, just feel like you understand who they are. Yeah. You know, Joe Pantleano is a great example. Right. It's like the sort of sidekick, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. like cop who is given more than enough to, you have a feeling who they are and yeah. what they're, you know, this is, yeah, there's nothing bad to say, but there's not a single bad thing I could say about no. this film. Uh, and also, this new 4K transfer, I was worried about because they gave this cover a real blue tone. And there's a it's it's kind of bullshit looking. There's a, there's the cover a art. it's not a great cover art, no. but there's a bad tendency with re-releases like remasters to give things a blue tone when they don't need them. And mm. uh, this is not what happens here. No, no. This it's, is a this is a really great transfer of this film. It's gorgeous looking. Uh, I had no complaints about it at all. And I'm just it, like best copy you could possibly get of it.
1: And I forget about the uh, the soundtrack or the the score to the film too. It's like it's it, it's it's all timer. It, it's an all timer because it, it reminds me like you know this came out in ninety three. So like Jurassic Park at the time. And uh, I remember watching this as a kid because I must have been I was only fu- man I watched this as, as, at fucking nine. Like man I I'm young and old at the same time. But uh, I. Uh, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I'm um, 180, and 180. I look like I'm like, you
0: know, 40 something. <laughs> so that the um age is catching up <laughs>
1: Cuz I remember um this this score I I kind of like a, compared it to uh unsolved mysteries where it it the movie uh, the the score complemented the movie so well James to where Newton Howard man it's, it's great and it like it it felt um, just like on ease and but also like it kept the action going at the same time. Um, oh, there's another movie that it reminds me of the score uh, or just like some of like uh, uh, John Williams score in Jurassic Park when like uh, uh, Newman is stealing the the vials Newman. of uh, of. <laughs> Uh, Dinosaur jizz. Yeah, and um, that's what he's stealing. By the way, he's stealing dinosaur jizz. Yeah, Um, jizz.
0: It's DNA, not jizz. Yeah, I think it's jizz. Not the same thing. It's DNA DNA that's taken out of. Never mind. Anyway, it's cum. A Fugitive was nominated for seven Academy Awards, which is weird for a fucking thriller. And it didn't win anything. No, it won Best Supporting Actor for Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, Tommy Lee Jones, yeah. 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 Uh, Did you ever see U.S. Marshals, the spinoff? No. It's not very good. I I mean, it's not terrible, but it's like nowhere near as good as this. That's the only thing about this film that frustrates me is that when you get to the end, you're so in love with everything about it that you're like, no, I want to see more. It's it's again it's like
1: I was like I could see another fucking hour no, of just them. Go
0: well cuz especially like the moment where like Tommy Jones and Harrison Ford are kind on of a bonding in the cop car and you're like I would watch a whole buddy comedy with the two t- of these totally. guys it happens it, it, right 100% like this. it's
1: it's the 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 way that it earns the end of the movie is when um uh, Harrison Ford basically saves Tommy Jones life and uh I was like I didn't kill my wife I was like I know.
0: Yeah. I know. So give me the chills you just said
1: It's it, it just yeah. it's it's great and like and he doesn't even say anything more. It's like it's like yeah, it's like you know what I need a vacation or or he says something <laughs> like that and uh, and just like walks away so and funny. um it, the the it's just a perfect movie it's a, it's, 10 it's a out perfect and and like yeah. just to see there and the Tom Jones and Harrison Ford are barely together in the film at all like yeah. they're in like what three scenes together maybe yeah maybe maybe. Yeah. And uh and every like just see them both carry this film is so good. And uh and you forget that like, oh yeah, Tommy Lee Jones is not just Indiana Jones and Han Solo. He is this Tommy Lee Jones? Or uh Harrison Ford. Fucking yeah. fuck. fuck. Uh, I
0: would watch that universe. I would that. that, that I, I would It'd too. Be interesting. Uh, <laughs>
1: but like, he's not just that. But he's also a fantastic actor, and uh, he carries it. And like, when he pl- gets to play like kind of an everyman like this, like,
0: man, you're you're too fucking good, man. Yeah. And this comes with that introduction you talked about, uh, audio commentary with Andrew Davis and Tom Lee Jones, and then stuff that was on previous existing uh Blu-rays of this, which is admittedly about almost an hour of stuff. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, classic. If you haven't seen it yet. What are you doing? Just buy it on 4K. Trust us. Our last assholes. film is a film we've already reviewed, which is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I... I am kind of baffled by some of the criticism this film, got because I think this is genuinely another great entry in the Mission Impossible yeah. universe. I never in a million years. I remember seeing the first one being mildly excited for it because I liked the show. But at that point, Tom Cruise's star was starting to flag. Yeah. And going, oh, wow, that was good, but not great. Going like, I liked it and I want to see more, but I wish it was a little better than it was.
1: And we didn't get more until 2005.
0: Yeah, like the second one was, despite how much I love John Woo is dog shit. It's dog shit. No. Uh, it's, but it's laughable to the point that it's kind of worth watching. Cause it's like, it's so ridiculous and over the top and over budgeted that you're like, okay, this is, which it,
1: it it's funny to think about all the other mission impossible movies after that. I was like, yeah. well, it's over budgeted and ridiculous,
0: but well, no, but I mean, that one was over budgeted, but terrible. Yeah, three. Was, well, that's what I'm saying. Three was like under budgeted, but J.J. J. Abrams came in with one of the few good films he's directed. Yep, and is a solid. Let's get back on our feet now, which is kind of what he did with the Force Awakens. Yeah, where it's like this is just a, a very conservative attempt to get this this franchise back on its feet. And,
1: and I think I think that like Mission Impossible Three is maybe like I, I mean, it, here's what I'll say. I, I, I recognize the first two Mission Impossible movies. I, I do genuinely like the first one a lot. Mm. I think it's a very, uh, you know, subpar Brian De Palma movie. But, sure. like, it is... Uh, it, it's still... It's right. very entertaining. It, it's very entertaining. It's De Palma-esque. And also, I love that it's more intrigue and spy shit rather than
0: what else comes after that. But it's not till 4 that this series becomes holy shit well this is like, like well the,
1: the the fourth one is like oh these are this is a good movie and but like i also think the third movie is the most underrated out of all the new oh, it's ones really good but it's, it's really also good
0: like it's the one that you can feel its budget strain on it and it's like they don't have as much money to uh, do as big know, man there's some crazy to, set pieces in that movie there are but it's definitely the Cheapest budgeted of the, the, sure, series. sure, but like also, and you can feel that. But what, what I like
1: about the third movie is it reminds me of the first one where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, it's still smaller S because it's like, uh, the, it's
0: the first one that sets up the team that continues on into the rest of them, right?
1: Well no, I mean Ving Rames is in the first one right, but and but the then, rest of the team, yeah. The,
0: the, like Simon, Simon Pegg and, Pegg and yeah. All that all it sets that. up the team that will continue to come right. back. And from four on though is where it really is like okay, now it's a mythology. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're like doing this and every film's bigger than the last one and they're all really good. And honestly, there's nothing the, the, wrong this with is, Dead Reckoning. Y- there's nothing wrong
1: with these mo- nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with any of them and uh except for the the first two you can argue. Uh, and like bits and pieces in the third one. Um, the, w- what's interesting, and I, I really want to defend this, the series is that this is not fucking Fast and the Furious. This is not yeah. like a joke. Yeah. Cause I get it. Fast and the Furious is like, yeah, they're fun, but they're a fucking joke. They're meant to be goofy. They're meant to be goofy. These aren't. These yeah. are actually are fantastically crafted action films yeah. that Tom Cruise and everyone else in are giving 110 fucking percent.
0: Have fan- this one has. They're, they're great equally, stories at the same time. This one has equally fantastically crafted scenes in it. Yeah. And also, a huge ad- addition to the series is Haley Atwell. Haley Atwell. Who well, comes in as like Lord. this sort of like thief who gets, like, master thief who gets, like, basically is given an assignment for pay and doesn't know what she's getting into and becomes the. And then you know, eventually, new love interest. I'm sure for Tom Cruise, but right. you know, at this point, they're well, just they're just friends. I, I like know? how, I, I like. I, okay, she's, she's so good in this.
1: She's she's great in this. But uh, I also love how they treat the love interests in the film because they're not like outwardly love interests. Yeah. Like how um, <laughs> we were just talk about Reacher uh, with Fugitive it was where like some people have argued that, uh, that Jack Reacher is isn't Jack Reacher. Yeah. Uh, um, I forget his first name. Yeah. They um, just call him Reacher. Reacher. Don't call him
0: Major. Uh, no, don't call him
1: Major. <laughs> um, he is, uh, he, he people have said that, like his character is autistic. And with this is like, well, he's almost like asexual in a way where like he, he's so on task to complete the mission.
0: We the thing like with Reacher where, like, there's a point in the new season where the girl goes, I don't understand why you ever hit on me. It's like, cause I, you work for me. I was your boss. It would have been inappropriate. Yeah. And she's like, well, that's the most reacher than you ever could have seen. <laughs> right, right. And with this is
1: like, well, we have to fucking save the world. Uh, <laughs> yeah. which is very different, which it's funny because like, kind
0: of the same in a weird sort of way. It's, it's, yeah.
1: it's sort of the same. And like, I, 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 I kind of appreciate that because like, I don't want another James Bond, like, I'm not the biggest James Bond fan in the world, and because uh, I just think it's like I don't give a shit. I, Ian. I,
0: I love Bond, but this is a different animal. And I'll be honest: like as much as I love some of the Daniel Craig stuff, I think Mission Impossible is blown away. The James Bond, Daniel Craig films in many ways. Oh, sure. I mean, I think some of the cinematography was better for some of the, the, the stuff in the Bond films, but, well, yeah. but o- o- overall these have been more fun and more involving. Uh, Cruz has really like found his niche with working with Christopher McQuarrie on these films. Yeah. He, they've been doing it since five, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because it was Brad Bird on four. Right, right. Um, yeah. But these are so much fun there's like a bunch of great there's a cr- incredible car chase but the real high point of this film is a thing that they admittedly and they even admitted they they played the game uncharted uncharted 3 i think where it's oh, a train the train sequence. slowly yeah, on yeah. the cliff and they're climbing up the train and this is one of the most thrilling things i saw in an action film in a while it's like it's so well done and exciting yeah. this is a great film and i'm unclear what the criticisms are, really. I'm, I
1: think that cause, because Fallout was fantastic uh that well, there was could- also
0: the emotional wrap-up to a, a trilogy
1: basically right right yeah. and then this is like uh where else are we going from here yeah. and um and like what are we new, leading to new villains, new and threat. like the villain i i will admit uh and when i say villain i'm not talking about um what's his face
0: i forget his Well, name. no, it the- sets it up as like it's an ai villain but yeah i'm telling you i guarantee that they're gonna find out that like, the AI is just a tool and there's a real villain we don't even know about.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, well, God only knows, because they haven't even shot the part two yet. Yeah, and uh, who knows when it's
0: going to happen. Uh, yeah, this film did not perform anywhere near as well as anyone w- would have mildly hoped. It which, is, which badly. Is, yeah,
1: it's, it's unfortunate, because <clears throat> I think this year, um, to get, even speak about Oppenheimer again, I think this year um, people were like, there are only two movies coming out this year, right? Barbie and Oppenheimer, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, and they they forgot vividly. about all these other films. And was, let's this let's really talk about them again, too. <laughs> by this, the way, no, uh, we're not going. Back.
0: <laughs> we're going back all the way to the beginning. Justice League XR. Uh, Ruby. <laughs> it's uh, just it's
1: it's kind of unfortunate because this is um I, I I the the criticism I I, I don't understand it, uh, whatsoever, and it really I think these these movies are genuinely great that they deserve. Our money to see them, yeah, and uh, and the, the just the the 4K transfer is incredible. It
0: looks amazing. It looks amazing. Yeah.
1: And like I, we saw the theater uh, when we with uh, for the the screener for it, and then I wa- I was like, I, I fucking love these movies, so like I had to watch it again. And uh, it's just front to back fucking great. I
0: never would have a million years thought Mission Impossible was going to become one of the most reliable IPs out there, right? You know, and it really has become that. And this is no exception. It's another reliably great entry in the series. In- again, introducing a fantastic new character, Haley Atwell, who is so good in her. Back and forth she's, here. She's, she's very charismatic. Comedic aspect to yeah. it, but not a, in a Simon Pegg goofy way. No. You know? um All right. So we got to go to the final the, to finish this up. There's audio commentary by the director and the editor. There's an isolated score track, which I, mean, I don't understand. Who does that? We're like, turn off all the dialogue and just watch it with the score. I'm like, uh, is that a thing people oh, do? Oh, you know who
1: I know? He's. Fucking nerds who <laughs> listen to this fucking
0: show, and then a bunch of EBKs on the Blu-ray. But yeah, it's yeah. good. What's our? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Oppenheimer is our pick. Of the I,
1: I would say Oppenheimer because uh, the
0: extra features are so spectacular.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, a very close second to none, too. Um, <laughs> or, 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 I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude. I'm in Justice League versus the Ruby. All right, I'm taking off
0: my. Uh, you know what? I'm walking away. Wait, I'm just walking no, away. Come on, no, no Chris,
1: here. Chris, don't leave. No, I, I was can't like, do this no, with you anymore. Look, I can't do it. I have to say that Chris told me off mic that Justice League in the Ruby movie, even though we were shitting on this, is like a a gag. It was a gag. It's a gag. Don't do that to my floor. <laughs> Look,
0: I threw, we genuinely, I
1: we genuinely loved that movie. Oh and Chris God. says yeah. like this is maybe the Where best is the movie stop of twenty twenty three. Hold on one there? second. Just How stop I it. No. Stop Can I and press it? I'm gonna say for additional noise. Justice League and the Ruby movie. That's our pick of the week.
0: I'm going to the bathroom. You can do this and this any way you want. (laughs) Good night and good luck.